Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. The following is a presentation of the Belly Up Sports Media Network. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we'd go belly up so we made it our name and we're still here coming up on the behind the mic podcast no doubt about it the nfl is a passing league slowly the running back that carries his team from start to finish has faded away what happened you're behind the mic with michael neal jr Okay, I'm overprepared today. I got too many papers. I've got stuff all around me. I left my laptop and just kept my iPad here. I can't have too much stuff in my face. I got to give it to you as it comes. So NFL historians and lovers of sports history, welcome in. This show is for you guys and gals. Again, it's cool. You already know this stuff. Congratulations. I got a lot to get to right now, but there's always someone else who doesn't. This show is for those who don't know as much about NFL history, so we're here to do three things, and that is enlighten, teach, and learn. This is the Behind the Mic Podcast. I am your host, Michael Neal Jr., and this show is presented by both Belly Up Sports and Belly Up Media. Belly Up Sports Podcast Network, that's what we're a part of, bellyupsports.com, not Billy, Belly, Belly Up sports.com go to that website check out not just all of the other shows especially mine but also the merch and the stories are uh, we have some terrific writers at belly up and also the merch you can catch all of our shows on our home base of megaphone now mine's not on youtube yet but apple podcast spotify google podcast amazon music stitcher iHeartRadio, and more as well as we have several shows on youtube so as I'm studying and, and wrapping up things for this show on yesterday, and look, it, it, I took a long time delving into this, and I went into the rabbit hole of statistics. What I'm trying to not do as much of is talk numbers, but you got to have some numbers to back up what you say sometimes. But this being a historical show, sometimes those numbers do help you see the whole picture, right? So I'm not going to go... Too deep into numbers, I'm trying to keep it as simple as possible because I really did over-prepare for this show. I have so much information, I had to kind of, I'm actually going to do a second show on this, 
but we're going to take it at a different direction. So I can give you some more of what I found out that it applies today, but maybe not as much. But as I'm studying for all this stuff across my phone, we get word that Jonathan Taylor, who's wanting a new contract and not wanted to sign a franchise tag. Uh, this guy wants uh, he actually got permission from the Colts to seek a trade. And I'm thinking, this is crazy. And then look, the last couple of weeks, even going all the way back to June, uh, July, when we knew about uh, not just Tony Pollard of the Dallas Cowboys, but also Josh Jacobs, who has yet to show up for camp. Um, as far as I know, as of right now, this second, it, today is Tuesday. I haven't heard anything about him showing up because he doesn't want to sign a franchise tag. We'll get into that a little bit uh, today. But also, of course, it was Saquon Barkley. So of these three running backs already right now, we know Pollard went on and signed his franchise, uh, his tenure. And um, so, I mean, going forward, uh, we also had pretty much a restructured deal for Saquon Barkley. He got the franchise tag, of course, and uh, they gave him some incentives that ballooned it up a little bit. But it wasn't what he was looking for. So, I mean, what's today's show about? Well, um, we're talking about running backs in a special kind of way. So one day, and this was a couple months ago, all right, this is the, I, I always pick up some ideas for my shows. I jot them down, and then I do a little bit and just start adding to it the stuff that's in my head already. I have to write that stuff down or speak it into my notes in my phone, or I will forget. And I'm scrolling on Facebook one day, and, you know, Facebook, it's got the algorithms and whatever that shows you what you like, uh, the stuff that you have looked at and, and hit the like button or whatever. I have a lot of sports that come through mine, especially the NFL. So that's on my list. And there was a photo posted by Cowboys Daily. And it has a headline, most games with 100 plus rushing yards. There are 11 names on this list. Nearly every last one of them, let's just say nine, are actually in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, except for uh, Adrian Peterson, Fred Taylor. I'm going to start from the bottom. These are the, the list of names. Franco Harris and LaDainian Tomlinson tied with 47 games of rushing for 100 more yards, right? Then you have Fred Taylor at 49. AP or AD uh, is at 56. Uh, 57 tied. Adrian James and Curtis Martin. 61 by the bus, Jerome Bettis. Eric Dickerson is at four at 64 games. And then the top three, Barry Sanders, 76. Sweetness, Walter Payton at 77. And Emmitt Smith, who's, he, you know, his full picture is off to the side, is at the top of the list with 78. Of course, he's the NFL's all-time leading rusher. But then, you know, he has all these other records as well. And the first thought that I had was, nobody's ever going to break this stuff. I just don't see it. We may have a couple guys that are kind of the um, the old school type running backs, which is pretty much what this show is bent towards. You don't see a lot of those guys anymore. It's the reason why I'm like, eh, nobody's going to break some of these rushing records anymore. I started thinking about Super Bowls uh, as well as you know individual seasonal records. Now, some of those probably can come down, but when it comes to piling up the yards and maybe even the touchdowns, I, the only guys that I can really think of, and I'm just going to say two of them really have a, a really good chance, in my opinion, and this isn't an opinion-based show, 
but Nick Chubb, who's you know going into his sixth year, and Derrick Henry, who's about eh, a little less than 1,700 yards away from 10,000 yards heading into his eighth year. I mean, these guys are literally carrying their teams, and Chubb is probably one of the youngest ones. He's only 26. So I, I just don't see this happening anymore. Uh, and I think that there are two big reasons as to why we're where we are. Okay, so uh, of all of these papers and everything that I have, you know, I have uh, stats and, and lists and all of these things. Um, and just looking at right now, according to Pro Football Focus, these are the top running backs in the NFL right now. You got Nick Chubb, Derrick Henry, uh, uh, Christian McCaffrey, Josh Jacobs, Jonathan Taylor, Saquon Barkley. And it was in this order, by the way. Aaron Jones, I'm not giving no numbers. Tony Pollard, Austin Eckler, Dalvin Cook. And after that, you have your Brees Halls, who got hurt as a rookie, but he started off on fire. It's going to be interesting now that he and Dalvin Cook, who are right behind each other, are on the same team now. There's Kenneth Rocker III, Alvin Kamara, and so on. The top 10, I'm not sure exactly how long, you know, like Derrick Henry actually has left here in Nashville as far as how he's going to run. Um, Nick Chubb, he seems to be pretty solid. He stays away from injuries for the most part. We have to see if guys like that, as well as Christian McCaffrey, Jonathan Taylor, who just came back again from another injury, Saquon Barkley, if they stay healthy. And that's the key to all of this. They have to all stay healthy. Aaron Jones, he'll be focused in on with Aaron Rodgers gone to the Jets. And, and even though Tony Pollard is ranked eighth on the pro football focuses list, uh, he ran for 1,000 yards, sharing carries with Zeke Elliott, who's no longer a Cowboy. Now he's with the Patriots. But that's not even the question. The guy fractured his leg there towards the end of the season. How's he going to bounce back? So the rest of the running backs on the list, I mean, they'll probably do well for a number of years. But I'm this, you're talking about three to four max with most of these guys. And you have guys who run for that century mark of 1,000 yards or whatever. That's great. But you don't see as many guys running for the 13, 14, and 1,500-yard season, 1500 seasons as we used to see. But then, two, man, some of the stuff hasn't changed as much as we may think, but they're just not dependent on running backs for offense as they used to be, right? So, of course, you got, uh, what, 16 running backs that actually ran for over a grand last year in 2022. Miles Sanders, he had over 1,200. Saquon with 13. Uh, both Derrick Henry and Nick Chubb ran for well over 15. And Josh Jacobs led the league with 1,653 yards rushing. So you have these guys uh, that carry their teams uh, to a degree. But according to one of the websites that I saw, there are only three guys, three, that actually accounted running backs for 30-plus percent of their team's yards from scrimmage. Only three. Okay, it used to not be like that. You know, it's 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 not what it's like. It, it it's not things now are not what I mean. You have a couple of teams, and you just heard the list of the running backs that actually do it. They're not totally gone. Okay, let's just be real. They're not totally gone. They're not extinct. It's just not as many of them. Well, I mean, again, it wasn't always like this. What changed? We, if you are a football fan, you know exactly what changed. One, the passing game, and two, injuries. 
We'll get into the second one a little bit later. So to start off, you have the passing game. So we have to go all the way back to 1932, where the Chicago Bears had to play the Portsmouth Spartans in the 1932 championship game, the NFL championship game. And they just happened to be a part of two, mm, let's just say, two very important parts of this show. One, the passing game going forward. Seismic changes happened after this game. And then in 1934, there was a first. One of their players that played on their team. Well, in 1932, you have to understand the passing rules of the time. There was one point where there was actually a penalty for incompletions. Well, the rule was with passing, you had to be on the outside, five yards of the outside left or right of the center to throw a legal pass. Well, the Portsmouth Spartans lost the NFL championship in 1932 to the Bears, partially due to a touchdown pass, which their head coach, Potsy Clark, called illegal. It was not ruled illegal. Basically, what you had was Bronco Nagurski threw a touchdown pass to Red Grange. Looks like he was going to take off running with the ball. He stops, finds uh, Grange for the touchdown, and Potsy Clark goes nuts and saying that it was an illegal pass. And, you know, after that, though, the, the touchdown stood. They said rules-wise, going into the 33 season, you could throw a pass from anywhere behind the line of scrimmage. Okay? That was the first thing. And so the second thing that came around was basically where running, we as we know, has always been at the forefront of the league. Okay, that I mean, passing was kind of eh, frowned upon. I believe it was George Hallis himself. Uh, please correct me if I'm wrong. Whatever coach it actually was, I cannot think of who it was. I think that it was George Hallis, but it was said that there's only. There's three things that can happen when you throw a football, and two of them are bad. You have an incompletion or an interception. And people were throwing a lot of incompletions and interceptions back then. And, uh, I mean, the, the ball wasn't as aerodynamic as it is now. Uh, it actually was a pretty large ball at the time. But anyway, you slice it. People did not trust throwing the football. It was all about running the ball. I mean, look at uh, where we got the game from, rugby pick the ball up and you run with it, right? Well, I mean, that was the game of the game. So, uh, there was an inconsistent number of games to begin with, and, you know, games kind of fluctuated in the 20s, 30s, and 40s. You talk about some teams that played eight, you know, between eight and 12 games until things really started smoothing out. Well, around 1934, the Chicago Bears, they went 13-0, and and they ended up losing that 34 championship game to the New York Giants. That was the famous sneakers game. Well, they had a running back, a rookie running back, who actually was the first 1,000-yard running back in the history of the league, Betty Feathers. Okay, he ran for 1,004 to be exact. It was a rare thing for anybody to run for that many yards, but he did it. He was the first one to cross the what we call the century mark. But the run always came first, and passing was rare and was second. During the years, when I'm looking at ProFootballReference.com, which is one of my favorite websites to go to, especially statistically speaking, you only see a cut. It wasn't near where what we look at now. I mean, like I said, in 2023, we had 16 guys that ran for over a grand. Well, back then, it was if you had any at all, you may have had one, maybe two. I saw in 1953 and 54, Joe Perry, he ran for over 1,000 yards. Jim Brown, 
uh, when he came in as a rookie in 1957, led the league in rushing with 942 yards. And of course, he never went lower than a thousand yards the rest of his career. One season, as a matter of fact, I believe it was his last year in the league in 65, he had over 1,500 yards rushing. I think the next highest guy was Gale Sayers and then another running back behind him. They had like 860. So that kind of gives you a little bit of context numbers-wise where they were rushing the football. And by then, you had a 14-game season on a regular basis. You went from, you know, the, the 8s and 10s, the 12s. You had 14-game regular seasons, right? Well, then you had the AFL-NFL merger. We've talked about this many times. And the AFL did not go away. The third incarnation of the American Football League and the umpteenth league to try to start and challenge the NFL. This one didn't go away for two reasons. One, television. And two, they threw the football, which made it a lot more appeasing to the eye. And people loved it. They loved it. And NFL was what Sid Gilman once quoted, three yards in a cloud of dust. And sometimes it can be quite boring. And so... These two leagues merged, and then you've seen things begin to kind of take off, throwing the football. Well, running the football, of course, was still maintained. That was the name of the game. The 1972 season, a record six players at the time ran for over 1,000 yards. But by 1974, you see the some of the more early changes to the passing game that would help. And that was in the form of the NFL restricting contact on wide receivers. Why? Because defensive backs at the time, they could run up and down the field with your receiver, you know, thumping them in the nose the entire time, even when the ball was in the air. Was pass interference called? Of course it was. And it had to be really, really blatant, but you had guys that were putting their hands on. Well, that changed four years later, of course, in 1978. Even though you had 11 running backs that ran over 1,000 yards, offense would begin to open up even more and this also changed because you went from 14 regular season games that season to the 16 that we knew all the way up until last year when we added that 17th game the five yard chuck rule inside of five yards you could smack him around as long as you wanted to defensive backs and wide receivers but after those five yards kind of have to keep your hands in your pockets or to yourselves even though that didn't really happen because you still could hand fight and all of that stuff. It still was some things going on, but that did help starting off in 1978. And of course the offensive line, they were able to extend their arms, open their hands, not the chicken wing blocking that was just, I still don't know how they did that. It was so ridiculous. I really, I thought about this too. Uh, one day I'm probably gonna go back and research and look for how many, how much did sacks change from when the offensive linemen were able to reach out and touch somebody in 1978. Because I wonder just how, because you know, we, we always hear about Deacon Jones and the fearsome foursome and how many sacks he really had, uh, but they weren't counted yet, not until the, the early 80s, right? So uh, I really would like to know that. But as far as this was concerned, with these rules, with the passing game, hands off of receivers offense alignment can block a little bit better and a little more effectively the result you had more 3,000 yard passers 
Only 4,000-yard receivers that year. Only four guys went over a grand receiving. But compared to 1977, well, there was zero the year before. Then you go to 1979, you really start to see things change. You had the first 4,000-yard passer, Dan Fouts. You had 12 1,000-yard receivers. You see the building here, right? Still running the football, but in 1980, we cross into the 80s. You had two 4,000-yard guys. Dan Faust was joined by Cleveland's Brian Sype. And here's another number. In 1977, teams were throwing the football 38% of the time. That went up to 47% in 1980. You see the trend. They're still running the football, though. Then you had the famous 1983 draft where six quarterbacks were drafted in the first round. And there were four running backs, of course. Hall of Famer Eric Dickerson was selected second overall by the Rams. Well, the last quarterback that was selected in that draft in 1983, Dan Marino, in 84, that next season, his second year, became the first 5,000-yard passer. And he threw for 48 touchdowns. Mm. And just so happened that same year, running the football did not become, you know, strange. They were still doing it. OJ ran for 2,000 yards, okay, in the 70s. I forgot the exact year. I want to say... It was 19, it was actually 1973. He ran for 2,003 yards in that 73 season. Well, you know, <laughs> Dickerson blew that out the water and it's still at NFL record today, 2,105 yards in 1984. And there were 13 guys that went over a grand that year. 16 in 1985, okay? so. Running the football was still the thing. You still had running backs that were drafted high and everything, but you've seen the quarterback change And as far as quarterbacks being, because that, that was a record in 1983, having six quarterbacks drafted you know, in the first round. You've seen the tide beginning to change. In the 90s, it changed even more. Remember that five-yard rule in 1978? Well, 1994, they put more emphasis on that. And I, I'll still remember that to this day. I'm like, I never saw so many guys, you know, going for 100 catches, you know, years in a row. Because you had guys like Sterling Sharp and Jerry Rice. And then eventually in 94, or the 95 season, not only did you have 16 guys running for 1,000 yards, I mean, more offense, right? Three, you had 16 3,000-yard passers. And you had four guys that threw for over 4,000 yards. 23 1,000-yard receivers. So you can see the trend of passing continue to climb. And that was the year that Jerry Rice and Herman Moore, they were one and two in receptions. 123 receptions, and I know Jerry was pissed because uh, he wanted all of the records, right? Still got them, but I mean, that year, uh, Moore topped him by one catch. Jerry caught 122, but he set the 1,848-yard receiving uh, in the season, Mark. So, I mean, I know he was happy about that until Calvin Johnson. Darn you, Megatron. Y'all know I'm a Jerry Rice fan. So, I mean, you see an offense that, you know, and, and it began to change really in the 80s anyway, and you see it now. You see it in college as well as in the pros. Bill Walsh with the West Coast offense in the, in the 70s going into the 80s, and he got a guy by the name of Joe Montana to really run that to perfection. And I mean, Ken Anderson was running it at first. The 88 Bengals, speaking of the Bengals, 
They had the no huddle offense and then the K-Gun with the Buffalo Bills in 1990. And between college and the pros, you've had the run and shoot, the air raid, and of course, everybody runs or some kind of form of the spread offense where you're throwing a lot of screens and you got zone read concepts and things like that, right? Well, you know, you see offense begin to grow and things begin to really change. 2008, Brady, Tom Brady, he gets his, no, his uh, knee blown out. You know what that meant. So uh, the best quarterback in the league, the Super Bowl winning quarterback, and then you can't hit below the knee. No low hits on quarterbacks. But the numbers for when it comes to passing, they just continue to escalate with all of these rules. It's not, if you're, if you're here now, you really know this. This isn't too much of history when you've seen this stuff happen before your very eyes. Uh, the stuff that I talked about way, way in the beginning, okay, that, that really is history. I mean, this is as well, because this is well over, you know, 10, 12 years ago. Drew Brees, he throws for 5,476 yards. Then Peyton Manning comes behind him, 5,477 yards and 55 touchdowns. I mean, it, offense really got ridiculous. And for good reason, I totally understand it. So, yeah, and then uh, 2014, you had more enforcement on illegal contact uh, in, the in the secondary. The result of that, you had more penalties defensively for illegal contact and defensive holding. And you had more touchdown passes than ever. 804, uh, 62, almost a 63% completion rate for quarterbacks across the board. 2015, you've seen it climb even more. 25 guys throwing for 3,000 yards. It's a regular thing. 13 guys throw for four grand. And then the average passing yards across the board for all quarterbacks, the most in NFL history, nearly 244 yards a game. 2018, you can't even fall on a quarterback. And the result, you had more touchdowns offensively than ever in 2018. Over 1,370 touchdowns were scored. You had quarterback ratings of almost 93, 65% completion percentage, and 847 touchdown passes. Crazy thing is you got all, all the way back and you look at the 1,000-yard rushers, you had an NFL record, and I think it's – I think that that's over with because it's not going to go back that high ever again. You had 23 in 2000. There were 23 guys that went over – a thousand yards rushing that's i mean i think that that's really really interesting so you know when it comes down to it and i'm looking at the numbers in 2003 went down to 17 in 2020 the COVID year was only nine and 21 there was only seven last year it jumped up to 16 but who's to know i mean what's going to happen going forward you still get the thousand yard guys but no one depends on the running back anymore like they used to well, and truth be told, because next week's show is going to be more so why they're not getting paid and then some. And that's that's part of the second part of this show. So when you look at the first round running back since 2010, I mean, you had 21, uh, five, excuse me, four were in the top five and there were eight drafted in the top 10. This year we had who? B. John Robinson. He was eighth overall. And you also had Jameer uh, Gibbs out of Alabama. He was drafted 12th, so he's not necessarily in the top 10, but 
you're still in the first round. Najee Harris, Travis Etienne, uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, he was the last running back to be drafted in 2020. You had one, Josh Jacobs in 19. Sa- uh, Saquon Barkley was second overall in 2018. You had guys like Leonard Fournette and Christian McCaffrey, uh, Zeke Elliott, Todd Gurley back in 2015. Trent Rose, uh, Richardson, who was a big-time bust, I thought that monster was really going to be really good out of Alabama. He was drafted third overall by Cleveland back in 2012. And C.J. Spiller back in 2010. So, I mean, their value has plummeted. They have plummeted. So, um, and you have, it's been years since you've seen a, a running back drafted overall, number one overall. You had 23, you know, that were drafted number one overall in the history of the league. But zero since Kajana Carter was selected back in 1995. And his injury was the reason why my we'll never know how good he would have been he blew out his knee never know 35 quarterbacks have been drafted number one overall because that's where the importance is now on the passing game let me give you a little bit more so number two around that same time that i was i saw that picture in uh on facebook i walked into my living room colin cowherd's on he's one of my favorites uh, I know some people don't like him, but I, I mean, I like the way he tells some stuff the way it is. Uh, it, I don't agree with everything that he says, but I love Colin Cowherd. Have for years. But there was one, this is part of the reason why, and I, God, I was trying to find it through my podcast app to see exactly what show it was, but I do remember, um, and I don't remember the exact numbers, but... Once again, you have all the, he was talking about all these Seattle running backs that are hurt even right now. I believe Zach Charbonnet, who they just drafted, went down and had another guy go down. And it's like, and, and along with Kenneth Walker III, he's still recouping, I'm guessing. Um, but here's the thing. He's saying that the running back position, and I got numbers to back it up as well as other articles to back it up. The running back position is the most injured position in the league right now. I think they accounted for some around 30 or 33 percent maybe more than that and when it comes to injuries in the league as of last this past season they're the most injured position uh position and it makes sense between them and linebackers they're the ones who clash the most i mean you have offensive linemen i not get it but the ones who are <laughs> they they can carry the football the most and get beat up the most Running backs have the shelf life of a banana. Two, three years tops because they get the ball so much and so often. There's a reason why NFL teams don't draft running backs as high as they used to. Or more importantly, they're not as quick to pay them anymore. The answer is injuries. Injuries. You would think these days, as far as medicine, you know, how far it has come, that these guys would be... uh, you know, with the weightlifting and the fitness and the eating and all, you would think these guys would be healthier than ever. In my opinion, again, I'm giving my opinion, I think the body is overworked. I mean, then too, we can always say, well, there's a lot of crime out there right now. Or actually, crime is actually a little bit lower or a lot lower in multiple places than it ever has been. We just have a camera to see it now. Stuff has always been happening, but now there's a camera. We don't know how hurt jim brown was <laughs> well i mean we had cameras and everything 
but there wasn't a microphone always in their face waiting for them every waking hour. There was no 24 hour news cycle to know all of these things. We do know this. Some of them probably shouldn't have been playing when they were playing with some of the injuries that they were playing through. But injuries at the running back position is the other reason why we don't see them um, as as important. I got a number I'm gonna give you next the next week. That's that blew my mind. I didn't even notice. I mean, if you're an NFL personnel, what I mean, and obviously players, they know exactly uh, what I'm going to tell you on next week. But I mean, it's it's about the injuries. So the whole thing is when you look at how football has changed, and you think about what's what's exciting, what's more exciting. Why, you had talked about the AFL-NFL merger. Why didn't the AFL go away? Television and passing and throwing the football a lot more put them on the map and kept them on the map. And it's like they're not going away, so we might as well. You can't beat them, join them. And that's exactly what happened. Then, of course, you had those rules in 1978. And then furthermore, you had other injuries, including concussions, and then the injuries to really the, the the faces of franchises, the quarterbacks, you can't touch them. Wide receivers, same thing. You can't touch them and you can't hit them going across the middle. You can't hit offensive players unless you're running back or a quarterback that takes off running. You, you're protected. Let's just say that. It's kind of like the baseball. Uh, baseball, it the baseball. <laughs> it's about baseball and the home run. Basketball, dunks, and it's about shooting. You cannot be a center or power forward with your back to the basket like that much anymore. I mean, let's not ask the Denver Nuggets fans that. Let's not say that, but Jokic, he can at least shoot. Yeah, he'd be back to the basket, but the guy can shoot as well. So it's about scoring. Home run, scoring. Okay? Passing, scoring. Now, I would admit that I probably would rather see a Barry Sanders touchdown run the way that he ran the football just as much as I would like to see a bomb throw to Randy Moss because that could be just as exciting but let's just be real throwing the football is a lot more exciting you know my show on tight end see how the game has changed there was a position at one point that did not exist that was the name of the show the position that didn't exist tight ends have gone from just extra offensive linemen to blockers that caught the ball here, here and there, to being Kellen Winslow Sr., uh, Shannon Sharp, and Travis Kelsey. Those kind of guys. Andrews from the Ravens. They're catching the football, okay? And as far as Saquon Barkley was concerned, and this is something I really could probably save for next year, of next year, for next show, but Colin was talking about Saquon Barkley. Everybody's been talking about that. And of course, Barkley wanted a new deal, didn't get one, um, but he's being tagged or whatnot, and they added some incentives. But in 2018, the guy, as a rookie, played all 16 games and was a pro bowler, right? He played all six, well, 16 of 17 games in 2022. When you're running back, here's my whole thing at the end of the day. Get your money as soon as you can. <laughs> Because the window is short, but you have to stay as healthy as possible. And I know that's not a fair thing. And is it unfair the way that running backs are treated now? I have to say, yeah, but it's about timing. Maybe if you 
played in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, or even the 90s, things would be a little bit different for you because you were the number one uh, thing out there. You were the go-to. But you probably have to be a little bit more like, I'll say, Christian McCaffrey or Alvin Kamara. Run and catch the football. And Kamara's never had a 1,000-yard season, but you that doesn't stop him, stop him from being uh, as dangerous as he is. As much as Austin Eckler has said, hey, look, I think I want to trade because they're not paying me. The guy catches 92 balls, 107 passes he caught last year. He's never had 1,000 yards rushing. But in the last two seasons, he scored 38 times. That's where the value is, right? Get your money while you can. I mean, Barkley, hmm, offensive rookie of the year, Pro Bowl his first year, last year Pro Bowl. Well, Barkley, he missed 28 out of a possible 48 games, and he's heading into year six. Now, as long as he stays healthy, and then on top of that, they paid Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones is a quarterback, you know? And you have guys, uh, cautionary tales, this is what scares GMs. You have guys like Todd Gurley, Zeke Elliott, Kareem Hunt, Leonard Fournette, cautionary tales as far as signing the guy a second time around. 2019, Zeke, he threatens Jerry Jones, who's heard this before from a Hall of Fame running back, okay? Uh, and they, back in 2019, heading into his fourth year, dude, I'll need more money. I've, I've, I've produced and then some. And he threatened to hold out. Jerry Cave gave him six years, 90 million. Now that year, 2019, he ran crazy and had 12 touchdowns. But after that, here's his numbers. Zeke Elliott, 979, 1002, 876. That is not a $90 million running back. That's the reason why he's cut. He's no longer a cowboy now. He's not. And then there's the cautionary tale of Le'Veon Bell. 26 years old, he was the best running back in football. And I still maintain the reason why that the Pittsburgh Steelers did not pay him was more so because of what he did off the field than on the field. He was a threat running and receiving. Two-time All-Pro, three-time Pro Bowler, and the dude was great. Sat out the entire 2018 season and lost $14 million. Came back with the Jets, and the dude ended up with four teams after that and disappeared from the league. After five years with Pittsburgh, Eight years total. Then he went Jets, Kansas City, Baltimore, Tampa Bay. Now he's at home. He got paid by the Jets, but he'll never make up that money he lost from Pittsburgh. Now, cautionary tales, right? Cautionary tales. Um, and again, when you look at the fact that they're like the most injury-prone players, it's it's uh, at this point especially – I mean, that's where it is. It is. Um, when it comes to pay, what was it? Uh, back to, uh, earlier this summer, NFL running backs like McCaffrey and Barkley, Henry, Derrick Henry, Josh Jacobs, Jack, uh, Nick Chubb, they had a Zoom meeting about getting paid. And in the end, they had to throw their hands up because it was like, well, it is what it is. Christian McCaffrey, as, as far as pay, he's the highest paid running back per year at $16 million. And that ranks according to Douglas Clawson of CBS Sports, 110th in the league. What does that tell you? And when it comes to a team winning percentage, these numbers kind of blew me out the water too. Uh, when, it, when it comes to a team's winning percentage and making the playoffs, 
it, and it, it's crazy how it goes hand in hand with the positions that actually get drafted in the first round. This is kind of like the hierarchy of people that get paid and get drafted with well, their highest cap hits at each position. Those, these, these are the guys that's getting paid and getting drafted. Edge rusher, quarterback, tackle, wide receiver, corner, and then running back. Well, what do you know? It's a passing league, right? Well, you need the edge rusher to go get the quarterback. The quarterback is the one who makes everything happen. The tackle is the guy protecting the quarterback, and the wide receiver is the one who's catching all these passes, and the corner is the one that's trying to stop. Then you have the running back. Yeah. <laughs> and the Super Bowl era, once it really got going, you saw the way things kind of um, how they were, right? Used to be like John Riggins, Larry Zonka, Franco Harris, Emmitt Smith, Marcus Allen. The running backs, um, you know, that that had Super Bowl records and still have Super Bowl records. Hall of Famers, right? 1,000-yard rushers on Super Bowl winners by decade, okay? Watch this. In the 1970s, there were nine. In the 1980s, there were six. In the 1990s, you had seven. The 2000s? Six in the 2010s, three. Listen to these names: three: Legarrette Blount, Marshawn Lynch. And that was in 2013, and Ray Rice. Those are the the thousand yard rushers on Super Bowl winning teams. It's gone from having a feature back to a running back by committee. You know the New York Giants. You had Ahmad Bradshaw and Brandon Jacobs. Indianapolis, remember when they beat the Bears in that rainstorm in Miami? Joseph Adai and Dominic Rhodes, who I still contend, and I love you, Peyton, they probably should have won MVP, co-MVPs or something like that. That's, that's just me. Kansas City just won it with a seventh-round running back, teaming with a guy that looks like a wide receiver, Isaiah Pachenko and Jarek McKinnon. Tampa Bay, they had Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones. And LeGarrette Blount was teamed up with Jay Ajayi when they were both playing for the Philadelphia Eagles. Change of pace? This is another thing. I'm going to quote this. According to Doug Robinson, and I'm, God, I'm battling on how to say this website. I think it's desret, desret.com, D-E-S-E-R-E-T.com. I'm, I'm, I'm quoting, until about a decade ago, running backs were a key part of championship teams. From 1994 to 2016, 14 of 21 Super Bowl champions featured a 1,000-yard rusher. Things have changed since then. Only one of the last nine, nine times, one of the last nine Super Bowl champions had a running back rush for more than 1,000 yards during the regular season. And 1,000 yards is a modest benchmark considering that the league has increased the number of regular season games from 14, then 16, and now how many now? Yes, 17. I mean, that's what it is. It's what it is. Yeah, I also thought about the Pro Football Hall of Fame, how they're definitely going to have to change uh, to a degree how they look at running backs these days going into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Um, and maybe a little with 17 game regular seasons but then you have backs that are like again <laughs> the, 
championship level backs probably are going to be the guys that either switch teams, you know, to, to a, a team that's not dependent on them as much. But they're going to be more like Alvin Kamara or Christian McCaffrey. And then McCaffrey's kind of a bad example because dude is a bad boy. I don't know if he'll ever win a, a Super Bowl, be on a Super Bowl winning team. San Francisco could do that even this year. But, I, I mean, I don't know. But you have Alvin Kamara, who's a, a threat every time he touched the ball, however he touch, uh, touches the football. But, uh, you know, that 10,000-yard mark, I don't know. I don't know. And, again, you know, you have these players that wanted to get paid, and eventually they will. And, I mean, I had so much more to get to, and I'm already well over, at least 10 minutes over what I wanted to be. I try to keep the, the show at 30 minutes, but it, it's just so much. <laughs> it's so much. It really is. You're these guys like McCaffrey and Austin Eckler and Aaron Jones. They're all heading into their seventh years. And each guy is between 27 and 28 years old. And that's kind of the, the, the spot where you start seeing some kind of decline. Jonathan Taylor, he wants to be able to have a trade because he wants to get paid. Well, I mean, they granted him his wish to seek a trade. Now, obviously, you already got people looking at the numbers. Now, whether something happens between now, Tuesday night, and then tomorrow, my birthday, by the way, on August 23rd, I have no idea. When you listen to the show, it will be Wednesday morning going forward, whenever. Okay, so the show is going to drop, but I have no idea how much this news will change. But keep this in mind, though, when it comes to guys who hold out and guys who are requesting trades, keep this in mind, young Sparkies. Number one, doesn't always work it probably doesn't work more times than it does work so you'll be gambling right and uh and also for you young sparkies uh if you want to really get paid i'm just gonna be honest with you be a quarterback that's it that's it uh i'll do respect be a quarterback references thanks to profootballreference.com also pro hall of pro football Hall of Fame.com and that's profootballhof.com. Also, Stat Muse had a lot. Uh, I was like I said, I was overprepared. Pro Football Focus, PFF running back rankings, the top 32 ahead of the 2023 NFL season. This one was written by Trevor Sigma, May 25th, 2023. Also, I'm struggling again. Desperate news. Maybe I said it right this time. NFL running backs have a case, but so do their teams. All right, this one, Doug Robinson wrote that one, July 25th, 2023. Also, Fox News, ex-NFL star running back, will argue with anyone about positions value. Those guys literally do everything. This one by Ryan Morick of Fox News. This one was published August 2nd, 2023. Also, CBSSports.com. Reality of being an NFL running back. Why the position has been devalued and how we got to this point. Thank you, Douglas Clausen, on August 3rd, 2023. And also the New York Times. How offense took over the NFL by Ben Shepigle. 
and Bill Pennington. Please bear and forgive me if I said your name wrong. That's it. This has been the Behind the Mic Podcast. Again, I am your host, Michael Neal Jr. This show uh, is presented by Billy Up Sports and Billy Up Media. Billy Up Sports Podcast Network. Check us out at bellyupsports.com. Also, you can catch our shows on all the favorites, our home base of Megaphone. Also, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and YouTube. Tell all your friends and family about my show. I'm off this week, so it'll make it real easy for me to go around and probably find your house. I'm out. Happy birthday to me. Happy birthday to me.